Mankind Corporation, undervalued or under-delivering? This is Industry Focus. Hi, Fools. Healthcare analyst Michael Douglas from The Motley Fool here, and I'm on the phone with Todd Campbell, one of our contributors. Todd, welcome back to the show. I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. So we got a we, we got a question. We love getting questions, by the way. Please, please fire us a question. The email is industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus, all one word, at fool.com. So please, 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 please send us emails. We love getting questions. Uh, and we've got a question today uh, from Krishna who writes, uh, listen, I've been following mankind and astounded at its market cap despite the approval of their drug and partnership. Would love to get your thoughts on the company. So uh, I'm not going to put any, you know, hold anyone in suspense. Uh, I'm pretty bearish on mankind, Todd. I know you are too. But, but before we get into kind of the reasoning behind that, let's start with some background on the company. Um, so, so Mankind Corporation, I think one of its big selling points, Alman, uh, is this just really well-known, uh, bill- he's a billionaire, right? Big-time investor um, who has just led company after company and just done such a good job of monetizing products. Uh, Mankind struggled a little bit more than some of the others, though. Yeah, he was taking, he, he bit off a lot. There's no getting around it. I mean, the, basically what Mankind is trying to do is revoli- revolutionize diabetes treatment. You know, for generations, the treatment regimen has been, okay, I go to metformin, then once metformin doesn't help me with my uh, diabetes any longer, then I go to insulin. And insulin is usually taken either short-acting insulins at mealtime, and then there's oftentimes a long-acting insulin that can be taken in the evenings. But those are injection-based drugs. And heck, people don't like to inject themselves. So Alman looked at that and said, you know what, we can build a better mousetrap. What if we were to develop something that worked a little bit like an inhaler that an asthmatic would use, um, but instead of delivering asthma medication, it's delivering insulin directly into the lungs. Works more, works more effectively, works quicker, faster onset, uh, a little bit easier dose, less you know, less patient burden, if you will. And that's a huge issue um, in diabetes. I mean, you have a roughly, I think, 40% or so of people who fail to take their diabetes medications as prescribed. So essentially what, you know, Alman was trying to do here was build a better wheel, mm-hmm. um, take something that is working right now, which is injected insulin, and make something better that's easier for patients to use. And when you and when you think about the opportunity there, if you can, I mean, you know, this this really simple tiny inhaler. I mean, there there have been a lot of comparisons to Pfizer's Exubera, which which was um, also a, a an orally um, delivered mealtime insulin, um, but the 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 delivery device was clunky. It was large. It was awkward. <laughs> uh, and it sold uh, atrociously. And, and something that a lot of folks have done is they've sort of compared uh, Exubra to Afreza, um, the mankind drug, and said, well, you know, is this just going to be another Exubra? Um, and I think that was one of the big concerns about it. But, you know, with Afreza, the, you know, it's a, it's a much smaller, um, it's a much smaller delivery device, a lot less kind of clunky and sort of weird to carry around. Yeah, theoretically, it, it is indeed a a better treatment option or potentially a better treatment option for many people. And I think that's why 
so many investors got excited about the prospect for um, this drug. Yeah. However, you know, mankind's path, I guess you'd say, Afresh's path to approval was anything but smooth. It was very rocky. Um, and as a result, you know, the company took on a, a tremendous amount of debt um, and ended up having to, you know, find a marketing partner uh, once they did get approval last summer. Uh, that marketing par- partner, Sanofi, uh, stepped up and, and gave them $150 million up front for global rights to uh, commercialize Afreza. Um, they also agreed to pay mankind $775 million in potential milestone payments that may or may not ever end up getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and mankind, as a result, had to give up 65% of whatever profit, or, or I suppose you could say loss, um, that Afreza ever ends up generating. So this has been quite a story filled with I guess, highs and lows for mankind investors over the last 10 years. Very, very much so. I think that's very fair. And yeah, I mean, after two uh, complete response letters, which are essentially the FDA's way of saying no, um, they did finally get a success, uh, as you pointed out last summer, and then signed up Sanofi, which is a diabetes heavyweight. I mean, when you think about potential marketing partners, Sanofi is definitely up there um, in terms of just knowledge in that area. And and you see a lot of smaller biotechs signing on a big marketing partner because, frankly, they know the science. <laughs> the This big marketing partner, the, the this, you know, in, in this case, Sanofi, you know, you want a big pharma that's been in the space for a long time, that knows how to market, that knows the doctors, and has the sales force already built out. So that can save you sort of the capex of getting that group together and also trying to sort of build up some expertise. You can just basically leverage somebody else's expertise to go ahead and get your drug out on the market and hopefully winning big. Now, the first quarter uh, for Afreza did not go very well. Sanofi, um, now, a couple of caveats. First off, it's the first quarter, um, and it wasn't even a full first quarter. The uh, the launch happened in uh, February, and the quarter began in January, so it wasn't even a full first quarter. And of course, in biotech and in healthcare across the board, you're going to see drugs take a while to ramp up. Uh, you know, you know, you you've all heard the story if you've been listening. Uh, at all to industry-focused healthcare about Gilead Sciences Savaldi and you know how it did, um, you know two billion plus in its first full quarter in the market. But that's not normal at all. You know, usually you really do see um, this ramp that takes some time to get up. But one million euros in sales was um, uh, mankind's management uh, called it, uh, and I quote. Um, Modest, very modest. Um, definitely lower than than I think they were expecting, uh, and certainly lower than a lot of investors were expecting. Which is why you've seen their ma- their market cap just cut apart um, over the last uh, couple of months. So even even despite the fact that, of course, your first quarter should be modest, it was um, I think lower than a lot of people were expecting. Yeah, let's. I mean, let's let's lay this out for people. I mean, I think that this is an important point to drive home. There's a huge market opportunity when you consider the fact that, you know, estimates peg the diabetes population at growing 205 million people between now and 2035. Mm -hmm. So there'll be almost 600 million people on the globe with diabetes that will, most of which will at some point end up needing um, some form of insulin. So the market potential there is huge. They've lined up with Sanofi, which is 
a powerhouse in diabetes. They market Lantus, which is the long-acting insulin, had $7 billion uh, in sales last year. I mean, Sanofi knows what it's doing. It knows how to commercialize a drug. So they go out and they launch this drug after, you know, winning approval last summer. They launched the drug in February. I, it took quite a long time, in my view, to get that drug launched. And now they're coming back and they're saying, okay, how do we do in the first few weeks after the launch? Now, the temptation for investors is to look at the press release from Mankind and not dig any deeper. Sure. And I think this is one situation where you really had to dig a little bit deeper because it was actually in, I think it was the Q&A section of the uh, conference call where Mankind's management said, yeah, you know, admitted basically that Santa Fe said there was, a, there was that one million euro number out there. They said hey, you know, it was 7.1 million in uh, product shipments to Santa Fe uh, from mankind's perspective. But what they didn't, you know, you, had to, you have to dig deeper and realize that, oh, no, that 7.1 million includes a lot of free samples that were being given out. Uh, it includes some inventory that's going to obviously end up sitting in the channel. So very important for investors as they dig through the future quarterly reports here uh, from mankind to see how you know, sales either progress or, or not, or not um, that they not just look at the press release itself, but actually dig a little deeper and do some more due diligence on that. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing that I would add is, you know, uh, of course, um, uh, Mr. Edstrom, the, uh, the new CEO <clears throat> of Mankind, said, well, you know, there were a lot of different issues. You know, you, you had the uh, spirometry scheduling. It's this basic uh, lung function test that folks have to um, have to, to take before they can be prescribed a Frezza. Uh, there's a box warning requiring that. Um, they, uh, you know, there's managed care's prior authorization process. You know, there's all these other, all these various things that are that are making it difficult for patients to get the drug. But um, and Sanofi, Anafrezza, and uh, Mankind, but particularly Sanofi, of course, instead of the lead, um, are working to to fix those problems. But to my mind, and, and this is where it really gets to the crux of the matter. This is really where Mankind's. Uh, it's a it's a bit of a trend that we've seen with mankind's management. This is really, I think, more than anything else, why I'm 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 really not confident in the stock and in the company moving forward. Is that you have management um, under delivering on I think investor and I think to some extent management's expectations. Um, you got the sense throughout the call that management was surprised by how poorly things had gone here, and I'm sure they were surprised when they also you know got rejected by the FDA twice um, and. Here, it's very clear that there are these issues with Afreza that you'd think in that nine-month um, lead-up period to the actual launch that they would have done some solving for, um, and it just doesn't appear that that's happened. You know, it yeah, may... exactly. I mean, you you look at the conference call, you read through there, and you come away thinking, yep, I understand that it's hard to get an appointment with the doctor, and I understand that um, most of these doctors that are doing the prescribing don't have this test on site, so they have to send someone to another facility, then get the test back, and then call them up, and then get them started on the 10-day sample, and then after that, write them a script. So I understand all of those things could be delaying uh, script demand, but really, shouldn't some of those issues been contemplated ahead of time, and maybe some solutions been put in place? I don't know. I, I think it's a fair question that investors might want to be asking. You know, they are saying, okay, listen, we think we can address some of these issues. I mean, as time goes by, we're going to end up getting, um, uh, you won't have to worry so much about the pre-approval process. Um, we're thinking that maybe we can make this equipment available 
um, and help doctors get them into get this equipment into their offices so they won't have to send them off-site, and we might be able to launch a program as soon as August that helps people do that. I mean, these are all, you know, things that the companies are, are trying to put in place to, to be able to kickstart um, script demand by year-end. Right. Um, but I think it's fair to be able to, sit, to ask the question, are, are these, should these really have been surprises? Well, and the other and the other piece, and and again, you know, in healthcare valuation is always kind of problematic because can you really predict what's going to happen with a drug? <laughs> um, but when you look at um, S and P Cap IQ estimates, they basically take an average of of analyst estimates. Um, you know, it looks like mankind. You know, assuming those estimates are correct, which again, predicting the future, kind of impossible. But mankind is trading at about two hundred times, a little bit under two hundred times, twenty eighteen earnings. Um, based on those cap IQ estimates and its market cap today, and about a hundred times 2019 earnings. Not cheap, not at all cheap in healthcare, particularly given that we're years away from from that possible turn toward profitability. You've got cash burn concerns. Um, you've got you've got the fact that the, the launch. You get the sense it's not going nearly as smoothly as it should be. I mean, Goldman Sachs just cut their. Um, Fresa sales forecast in half because of uh, uptake being so slow, and and when you think about that, you know the mankind gets you know thirty five percent of uh, profits or losses. Um, you know the the numbers that uh, Fierce Pharma uh, reports, at least um, that a lot of analysts are kind of estimating, you know, around six hundred million or so in uh, peak sales. It's not really. Uh, that much, um, and once you back that out into earnings potential, it doesn't really look that impressive. Um, and so the question, the the really big open question is, you know, we've got what could be a transformative, uh, a transformative drug and a transformative technology. Um, is mankind going to be able to monetize it well? Are they going to be able to market uh, with Santa Fe? Are they going to be able to market well? Is this really the management team that's going to do an effective job with that? And and for me personally, at least, I am not confident in that, which is why I've stayed um, very happily on the sidelines and away from the stock. Yeah, I look at I look try to evaluate biotech stocks based on three criteria: um, the current products, the future products, and the balance sheet. And I'm not sure that mankind scores well on, on any of them. I mean, it's unproven. So, I mean, you have a Fresa, that's the current product. But we don't know what the, the peak sales potential could be for that. There are, you know, you could get the 35%, but you could also get the 775, the seven and a quarter remaining uh, million in, in milestones that you could still get. But those are no guarantees associated with that. And a lot of those are going to be sales-based milestones. So who knows? You can't really consider that. So, you know, Afresa is an intriguing drug. It could be a, a good selling drug, but I'm not convinced necessarily at this point that it's, it's a billion-dollar blockbuster. Um, as far as the future con- is concerned, you could use the technology that they're using for Afresa in a, for other drugs. And they're researching that, but all that effort that they're doing right now is preclinical. It's it's too early stage for you to try and stick a number on it and say this is worth X. And then as far as the balance sheet, it's not rock solid. I mean, they had to spend a lot of money on these trials uh, with the CRLs that they got back from the FDA, et cetera. And you know, even if you back out the uh, Santa Fe collaboration revenue that's sitting as a liability out there, you're still the company still owes 150 to 200 million dollars. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say that its balance sheet is, is overly fantastic either. So based on those three criteria, it just doesn't pass muster for me. And that is just our two cents on the on the company. Of course, 
um, we we don't give investment advice. We just we just do some research and uh, and give our two cents. Um, before we go, I, I want to make our listeners aware of a special offer. If you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be right for you. It's uh, it's our flagship newsletter, started more than ten years ago by the co-founders Tom and David Gardner of The Motley Fool. Um, we're offering the lowest price out there for our industry-focused listeners: ninety-eight dollars for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. And you'll get two stock recs a month uh, with insight from a team of analysts. Um, go to focus.fool.com. Take advantage of that deal. Again, that's focus.fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So never buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Uh, with that said, for The Motley Fool, I'm Michael Douglas. Thanks for listening in, and fool on. <laughs>